Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is uh, the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Budiwa Gavaza, and for today, we're going to be talking, um, you know, about some of the perils of mining exploration um, on the African continent. Um, as uh, you know, some of you may know, we've recently had uh, the mining in Daba, and uh, you know that is uh, something that uh, recently concluded. Uh, so for today, we're just going to be chatting, um, you know, about uh, what it takes to actually get um, some of uh, the mineral wealth uh, from the continent you know out and into the world beneficiation what does it actually mean uh, you know to make the most of some of this uh, and to help us to unpack some of the perils we are joined by chris green who is managing partner um, over at uh, hogan levels they are one of uh, the large law firms here in uh, johannesburg Chris, happy to be with you today. Madiwa, thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. A quick one before we begin. Um, you know, obviously the mining in Daba, you know, just happened this week. Maybe quickly for people that haven't, uh, you know, obviously Hogan Lovells is one of the big law firms. If you've been in the Joburg and Santon area, people know, you know, the glass facade building, you know, that you guys have, um, you know, in the in the Santon area. But um, I know that law firms tend to have uh, specific areas of focus. Um, you know, for yourselves as, uh, you know, Hogan Lovells, you know, what type of areas do you guys specialize in? And when you are attending something like uh, the mining in Daba, what are you, what's making, you know, your ears prick up? What are you interested in? What type of sessions, you know, are you going for? Yeah, Madiwa. So Hogan Lovells globally is, is a large law firm covering just about every practice area you could think of. Uh, in our South African office, we have a full focus around uh, corporate and finance matters. Uh, and then in the mining space, we cover not only corporate and finance, but also litigation, disputes and employment, health and safety. So the full spectrum of, of work that takes place in the energy and national uh, natural resources sector. In terms of what we're looking for, what we're doing when we attend the mining in Dava, we have a, a large global team that, that joins us from our offices around the world. So this year we had representation not only from Johannesburg, but from London and Paris as well, as well as out of the United States. Um, and we spend a lot of time at the Indaba speaking to our clients and potential clients and banks and, and everyone effectively involved in the, uh, the professional services side of things in the mining space. And then obviously, as I said, our clients as well. Um, and perhaps I can maybe just give you my kind of takeaway as an overarching theme from this year's Indaba. It was, it was an incredibly well-attended Indaba, depending on uh, whose numbers you go by. There were anywhere between eight and 10,000 people there this year. Um, but it, 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 was, it was incredibly <laughs> well attended. And I mean, my sense of it was um, there is still and there, there continues to be a pervasive feeling of optimism across the African mining sector. I think everybody understands the opportunities that exist on this continent uh, to play a major role in the global energy transition. But that optimism, you know, unfortunately does still come with a, with a sense of, of, you know, caution, I suppose, or with a, with a feeling of caution um because of the sector in general across the continent still experiences a number of um issues and and we can speak to some of those in more detail as we go along um and now chris some of us come from the world of telecoms and um you know in our in in our sector the big um you know the big 
conference, so to say, every year is Africa Com at the end of the year and Africa Tech, um, you know, down in Cape Town. And um, I think the past one that um, that was had, there was a lot being said about, um, you know, infrastructure, um, you know, telecoms infrastructure, a lot about AI uh, that was being uh, being said there. From a mining and double point of view, you know, where are we right now? What are what are the big debates um, when it comes to actually making the most from uh, from from mineral wealth? Yeah, I mean, I think you've you've kind of hit the nail on the head with two key topics, right? Let me maybe chat a little bit about the, the infrastructure uh, and the infrastructure constraints that the mining sector currently focuses. I mean, I think in South Africa, some of those constraints are are well known. Uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about load shedding and the energy crisis. Um, and the impact that has, particularly on, on energy intensive industry sectors like the mining sector. Um, and obviously, while South Africa, I think, has made inroads into this over the course of the last couple of years, and there have been some very positive regulatory reforms which have facilitated those inroads, uh, we've got a long way to go. Um, you know, that we're still at a point where there's not security of um, energy at all of our mining operations, uh, certainly not grid, uh, state grid electricity security. A lot of mines off the back of those regulatory reforms that I mentioned have taken matters into their own hands and, and gone some way towards uh, commissioning their own embedded power solutions. Uh, and that that has really, um, well, is in the process, I think, of making quite a big difference. Um, but the logistics and the infrastructure constraints, unfortunately, go beyond power. Um, and, and one of the big ones that we face at the moment is, uh, is in the logistics space, and that's everything from road and rail to ports. Uh, you know, getting the stuff from mines onto trucks or trains, and from there to the ports and out of the country where it's being exported. And I think that you know the industry's got some pretty telling statistics again, which have been widely quoted this year. Uh, for example, we've got throughput at the Richards Bay coal terminal this year, which is dipped below its lowest levels, and those lowest levels were previously 1994. And that's you know that's as a direct result of the of the challenges faced by by corporates getting the products into the port and out of the country. So so the the logistics infrastructure challenges are are real and and things that need to be urgently addressed. On the AI side, I, I sat on a panel at the mining in Darba talking about the power of positive disruption, um, specifically in relation to exploration and mine development in Africa. Um, and we you know obviously a large part of that conversation focused around technology and, and and how that can play a role in the sector going forward. And my personal view is that the rise of AI is kind of one of the the most, you know, one of the lowest hanging fruits, I suppose, in, in the implementation of technology in the mining space. AI can be of huge significance in helping to gather, analyze and process vast amounts of geological data for mineral resources and deposits across the continent. Um, and I think in that way it play a huge role in in, in you know, bringing technology to the fore and addressing some processes that have historically been very manual and time-consuming. That's by no means the only example, but it's one we spent quite a lot of time on. Um, now, Chris, uh, it is an interesting, uh, interesting take. Obviously, today we are talking about, um, I guess, the perils. You know, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to what's going on, you know, out there in the world. Um, but um, one of the things that I was keen to get your sense on is um, where does South Africa actually lie? You know, what I'm asking you is a is a relative question um, because obviously there is the 
there are the perils that you've just uh, you know outlined there's there are regulatory factors there's uh, an energy uncertainty um you know energy uncertainty is something that's affecting um you know businesses across the board uh mining houses are huge consumers of energy so you know no doubt that you know things are tough there's a logistics component that you've just highlighted as well so you know when you're looking at it from that point of view um it does sound like things are you know a little bit tough but if we zoom out a little bit and you know maybe look at you know either neighboring countries other emerging markets and all that um how bad is it is it that bad is it worse than we think um and i ask that simply because when you look at the mining industries of you know some of the some of our neighbors on the continent um you know they would wish to even have a a transnet um you know even in the state that it's in right now they would even wish to have um you know something like that um a lot of gold panning a lot of um you know people are talking about lithium now uh, but a lot of it is very crude in the way that it's being taken out of the ground and even just the infrastructure around it so when we put south africa within context of you know the 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 the, the wider regional you know economy simply because um south africa's mining industry um is sort of punching above its weight globally you know how does it compare you know co- you know to our compatriots from that point of view yeah i do i mean that's a good point and it is it's always important to try and look at these things with a bit of perspective and and context um South Africa's mining industry, as you say, you know, globally, it's a it's a mature industry. We've got a lot of mines and a lot of mining houses that have been around and doing what they do for a very long time. Um, you know, the mines themselves are, are well established. Those the existing mines that is are well established, and uh, you know, kind of they aren't facing, uh, I suppose, the the barriers to entry in many respects that that are faced in some other jurisdictions around us. But again, I think even when you look at that context, I mean. You know, if you look at some of our neighbors, if you look at the industry in Botswana, I think the industry in Botswana is recognized as a as a kind of gold standard just about even on the international scene in terms of, you know, how the mining industry is regulated and functions. Um, and then you look to some other parts, you know, again, close proximity to us, uh, Zambia and Tanzania, for example, where, um, you know, the industry in parts is is still fairly nascent, I suppose, and, and they certainly suffer from the same I suppose, infrastructure, logistical and regulatory challenges that we do. You know, again, I think when we talk about the regulatory regime in particular, which is obviously somewhere that we spend quite a lot of our time focused, the it's the it's the jurisdictions who've managed to bring some certainty into their regimes. They've managed to bring regulatory regimes to the forefront, which, uh, you know, to the extent possible, eliminate red tape. But I think most importantly, create certainty in the mind of investors so that they know that those regimes are not going to be changing, you know, from a you know, day to day, month to month, year to year. Um, and there's some good context, again, and examples around us. Uh, Tanzania is a market I know fairly well. And a couple of years ago, or a few years ago now, they went through a pretty rough patch in their mining space. Uh, there was significant regulatory overhaul. Um, and and as, a, as part of that overall, there was overhaul, there was, you know, frequently changing regulations in relation to how does local ownership, local content in that country work. And there was a huge amount of uncertainty in the market. And that you know, obviously, amongst other things, led to, you know, almost their mining industry grinding to a halt for a little while. You know, that has changed in Tanzania. And, you know, while I don't think that the regulatory regime is is, is simple, it's it's simplified itself and, and, and crystallized itself to a point where now I think 
investors and international investors understand the rules of engagement. They know what they're talking about when they look look at getting into the country. And I think, you know, I always have a, a view that international investors are capable and willing to deal with regulatory environments, even complex regulatory environments, provided that they know what the rules of engagement are and that those rules are not going to change overnight. And I think South Africa, you know, there's still a lot to be done. We're still sitting with an amendment bill in relation to our mining legislation, you know, that's out there. It's not had much spoken about it in recent times. We need to see where that's going to end up. Our government, at, just before the mining in Darbar, announced that it's now appointed a preferred bidder to implement a new cadastral system for our mining space. Um, so these are all things that, if properly implemented, can significantly aid our, our mining industry in South Africa. But by the same token, given you know everything that we do have going for us in the mining space and also understanding how critical the mining industry is to South Africa as a country and, and just you know how blessed we are, I suppose, with the volume of natural resources at our disposal, we need to be doing a lot better. As it stands, South Africa as a jurisdiction is falling down you know, global indexes of, in terms of jurisdictions in which uh, preferred mining investment jurisdictions. You know, recently, we fell behind places like the DRC. And that's really not that's really not something that should be happening in our country. We should be we should be doing better than that. It's it's very it's always good to look at things you know within context, and at least you know now you've painted a picture, um, you know for us around uh, what that more macro picture looks like, and you know the fact that other jurisdictions, like you said, are getting certain things. Um, you know, are getting certain things right because at the end of the day, um, uh, the global competitiveness, you know, is a huge factor when you're thinking about, um, uh, you know, mining houses. Almost all the big mining houses that you can name in South Africa, um, either are existing in South Africa with international operations or are a South African, you know, branch of a big international, um, you know, mining house. So having that, you know, regional or at least global context uh, feels like it's important, you know, to, to, to frame that against. Now, given everything that you've just said, um, how confident are you when it comes to the implementation piece? Right, like you said, there are amendments that are there. There's a lot of engagement that uh, you know players such as yourselves, you know, are doing in the regulatory environment. And I ask, how confident are you when it comes to implementation? Simply because, like you said, South Africa has been in the industry for a really long time. Um, it was, you know, for a long time seen as a global leader. And these are some of the little things that chip away at uh, you know that advantage. Um, and it means that they're bottlenecks somewhere, right? So how confident are you that we address the bottlenecks and actually get over, you know, some of these hurdles because um, the country isn't where it is, you know, by mistake, right? Structurally, there are things that are impeding the progress, right? So I guess it's one of those, uh, I'd want to say maybe a chicken and egg, you know, type of thing, but like just trying to understand, you know, how confident you are um, when it comes to implementation and I guess the actual will um, to get over the hurdles. Yeah, and I mean, I think the question you've asked is probably the fundamental question that that, that faces us at the stage, um, Madiwa, and it's unfortunately, as you know, a year and a time that's difficult to have a lot of certainty and a lot of kind of you know, foresight into how these things are going to play themselves out. We're going into a, a critical election in South Africa where I think, you know, for the first time, if you look at all the polls since 1994, 
it's unclear exactly how we're going to come out of this election with what kind of government are we going to come out with the you know with an ANC majority with an ANC led government are we going to come out with an ANC led coalition are we going to come out with some some other sort of coalition so it's difficult to know where we're going from a political perspective at this point um and i think that the, the main factor in driving any sort of confidence about you know the implementation of some of the things that you've spoken about is going to be political will um, what is the political will to get behind the new cadastral system and, and implement it in a way that's transparent and, and beneficial to the mining industry? Uh, what's the political will to facilitate, you know, additional uh, private investment in things like rail and port to, you know, bring the capacity of those critical pieces of infrastructure up to where they need to be? What is the the political will to you know potentially do other things in terms of investment incentives and the like to encourage additional foreign investment in our mining space in the context particularly of the of the energy transition and um, understanding all the ways in which that can benefit South Africa and and indeed the continent um, if if we take advantage of it. So it's very it's very hard to say kind of what level of confidence I have in in the implementation, but those are the factors I think that will drive it. And one can really only hope that our government, whatever form that takes post the next election, is looking at this in a way that, you know, that, that one would hope that they would be, which is that the mining industry is still potentially the industry in South Africa with the, the, the ability to move the needle um, significantly and to result in, you know, value uh, for, for significant parts of our population and economy. When it comes to mining, obviously, there's a lot that's going on. We've just described, um, you know, some of the headwinds that the industry, you know, is facing. And like you said, uh, political will is probably one of the big, you know, factors that's going to need um, to be spoken about. I think last week on the platform, we were talking about, uh, not last week, but in our one of our first shows earlier in the year, uh, we were talking about the fact that this is a huge election year. Um, I think I've read the stats that says that there are 71 elections happening this year and 15 of them are on the African continent. Um, obviously, South Africa's one is one that, you know, in South Africa and regionally, a lot of people are going to be paying attention to. And I'm pretty sure that the mining industry will be watching, um, you know, to see some of the signals because a lot of this stuff is around signals, um, you know, um, depending on how, um, the election comes out, what signal does that send to the market and what type of confidence does it engender uh, when it comes to making people, um, and making those capital allocation decisions. Now, maybe we can shift the gear a little bit and uh, get into uh, one of the biggest acronyms uh, probably in your space, that's ESG, um, you know, environmental, social and governance issues. Um, where are we in this, uh, you know, where are we in this particular debate? Because, um, you know, mining is probably one of the industries that's most affected. It's one of the one of the big uh, players that has to always consider the environmental, the social, um, you know, and, you know, the governance uh, concerns. And especially um, when we are considering deal um, activity, because we, we, we do see quite a, quite a bit of that going on. Yeah, and I mean, Madeira, again, ESG is something that's been on, you know, everyone's thoughts or on everyone's mind in South Africa for for years now. Um, you know, I don't think it's a new topic anymore. Um, you know, that being said, you know, so I think South Africa as a as a jurisdiction is still kind of coming up the curve in comparison to some of our global peers with respect to how 
ESG is, uh, you know, implemented, monitored, reported on, um, and and the like. You know, we, we've got some key we've got some key reporting mechanisms in place already, primarily in the listed company space. But I do think that investors in our market are are very focused on ESG considerations, um, and it's very 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 rare these days to be involved in an M and A transaction. I mean, particularly in the mining space where considerations around the environment and social issues and, and governance are not at the forefront of the negotiations, particularly you know, when you're also dealing with bodies like the Competition Commission and they're as focused on public interest as they are, um, you know, these things tend to overlap significantly. Um, and, and parties spend a lot of time talking about you know, how are we going to put in place world-class governance structures in, in the context of this investment? How are we going to address social issues? How are we going to um, ensure that there's benefits to local host communities where we are doing mine development and or mine investment in relation to the environment. You know what does the energy mix look like? And it comes back to the conversation we've already had around you know mines increasingly moving away from reliance on the historical uh, coal-powered fire stations in South Africa to their embedded uh, renewable and energy sources. So I think these things are are all you know taken into the mix when when we're looking at at corporate activity in South Africa, and they're certainly front of mind. I think for us as advisors and and certainly for financiers of these transactions. Um, Chris, would I be stretching it a bit too much um, if I were to put it on the table that the mining industry in South Africa, whether I can say there's an opportunity, but they could be on the forefront um, when it comes to because when it comes to the ESG debate, um, it's now coupled the 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 need for sustainability is now coupled with a business need. You spoke quite a bit earlier on about let's say energy uncertainty, right? So now you've you've got that duality where as much as you 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 you're talking about ESG and sustainability. It's now become a proper business imperative because now you're switching over to renewables or at least increasing um, your capacity on renewables. Not because um, you're necessarily trying to be nice to the environment, uh, but you're also just trying to make sure that the lights stay on. Um, you know, at uh, at at your various mines. Uh, so would I be stretching it too far to say that the mining industry is probably one of the anchor industries that could be proper leaders, you know, when it comes to use of, let's say, solar, for example, and uh, the use cases for it, how it's implemented. Uh, we're talking about power wheeling nowadays, you know, all of these different things that are going on. It, you know, it would seem like South Africa's industry, from a mining point of view, they've got the money, they, they, they need the power certainty. Uh, so it does seem like an opportunity that's there. Am I stretching that too far in saying that they could be leaders in that space? I don't think you're stretching it at all, Madiba. And I mean, I, in fact, I would say that the mining industry is at the cutting edge of, you know, when we talk about ESG as a broad topic, um, certainly at the forefront of this with the energy transition in mind. Um, that's partly because of necessity, because they've had to come up with alternative sources of energy supply because of the you know, unreliability of our grid. But I think also because, and this again is something that we spend a lot of time talking about at the mining in Daba. And I think it's a topic that's, you know, people are, are you know, to the extent that they weren't already becoming more and more um, appreciative of, and that is that there can be no energy transition without the mining industry. 
um, the mining industry is at the at the real cutting edge of of how we take this energy transition and importantly adjust energy transition forward. You know, South Africa and Africa generally uh, is rich in the resources, the, the the critical metals and minerals that are needed for the energy transition. Um, you know, depending on which mineral you're talking about, copper, cobalt, cobalt, lithium, manganese. Depending on which ones of, the, of those you're talking about, the percentages of those minerals that sit underground on this continent are, you know, are actually staggering. And our mining industry, I think, is going to be at the at the cutting edge of of all ESG considerations. In that, it's the, the world is going to be reliant on them to bring the stuff out of the ground, but obviously reliant on them on them to bring the stuff out of the ground in a sustainable um, manner, which you know is again then brings us back into the conversation around how is that going to be implemented from a not only a regulatory, but the, the considerations of parties that are going to fund those transactions and that development and the like. So I don't think what you said is a stretch at all. I think the mining industry is and will continue to be at the forefront um, of, of the ESG supposed revolution. No, revolution indeed. Now, uh, before I let you go, Chris, um, I am, like I said, I'm from the world of uh, technology, media and telecom, so a proper geek. And one of the things I wanted to maybe pick your brain on is something that you spoke about earlier on. Um, and I promised myself that I was going to come back to it. And that's AI. Probably in the world of technology, this is one of the biggest uh, buzz terms uh, that's been floating around. And uh, I was happy to hear you saying that uh, mining industry is um, engaging quite a bit with AI. So the question that I was going, I'm asking now is around. Firstly, how are people, how are, how are mining players making use of AI? Like where, you know, where in the value chain, you know, are they making use of AI? Because we've seen them making use of, um, you know, a number of technologies. Uh, we're seeing now unmanned vehicles that are helping to do, you know, really deep underground mining, for example, without necessarily endangering, um, you know, human, you know, human miners. Um, you know, you can send machines, you know, underground. So we see a huge technology adoption from the mining industry. That's not in doubt. But when it comes to AI in particular, where where does it fall in the ecosystem? How are people using it? And then because you you're coming from the world of law, um, where are we in the legal debates when it comes to AI use in mining? Yeah, Madiwa, and like you, I'm I'm not a an absolute tech geek, so I must be careful on how much I talk about things that I don't <laughs> understand. Um, but, but I mean, I think for me, as I said earlier, I think one of the the best use case scenarios, certainly early on in the mining chain, and particularly when we're having conversations around prospecting um, and exploration, is you know right up at the beginning is how do we use AI, and I think this is already being done um, in many respects. But the use of AI in plotting uh, mineral resources and deposits, uh, you know, where are those located? What is the extent? What are the geographies of those resources? Um, and then, you know, going a step further and using the AI uh, to actually analyze the geological data that is necessary to be analyzed for purposes of um, exploration and prospecting and, and, and how you make investment decisions in relation to prospecting and indeed mine development going forward. Um, you know, I think you'd have to speak to people cleverer than me to work out how AI can be implemented practically in, in, a, more pr in a more physical context on mines themselves. 
Um, but just to just to comment again, you also spoke about briefly about technology in the mining industry and, and also, you know, the concept, I suppose, of automation in the mining space. Obviously, there's significant advantages to that. There's cost efficiencies to be gained. As you say, there, there are safety benefits to, to automating parts of the mining value chain. Um, but in an African context, I don't I don't think we should be naive and, and think that those that those developments are going to come without their own challenges. Um, and I think that first and foremost, the challenge that will be faced when and if we talk about these things is an is is a labor relations challenge. Obviously, when you talk about talking about automating aspects of your value chain, if you're talking about automating um, underground mining and, and unmanned vehicles, you, you are at the same time talking about potential job losses. And, you know, I think that's always an emotive topic in South Africa. It's an emotive topic in other countries across the continent. And, and it's an emotive topic in the mining industry in particular. So, you know, these things, as they are implemented and adopted, I think there's going to have to be, or there's going to have to be careful thought given to them. There's going to have to be mature conversations at all levels. Um, and we're going to have to, you know, participate, I think, as, as an industry in those conversations and understand what the implications of this technological rising tide has for everybody so that's where we end off it has been a great conversation just talking about um you know some of the perils that are involved um when it comes to the mining industry in africa what does it actually take um you know when it comes to mining exploration on the continent um really placing south africa at the heart of the discussion that we're having relating it um, to its place in the global, you know, in the global industry, where does it lie when it comes to, um, you know, players overseas? Where does it lie when it comes to players um, on the continent? Where are some of the shortcomings um, when it comes to the regulatory environment, when it comes to service delivery, when it comes to infrastructure? Uh, we spoke quite a bit about the logistics. We spoke about uh, energy uncertainty, and that helped us to bring out a number of, uh, you know, a number of different factors. Um, you know, the some of the costs um, implications that have come onto the mining sector because they have to ensure uh, power reliability. The fact that uh, there's uh, the the industry um, has had to become a leader when it comes to the use of um, you know alternative energy sources such as solar. Um, you know, for example, because um, that's become a huge business imperative around um, you know around energy. Also, talking about um, the sustainability, um, you know, piece of things. Uh, piece of the equation beyond um, just uh, just the energy piece and sustainability and uh, you know getting into the fact that uh, you know the SA mining industry um, whether it's from an investor point of view or just operationally um, always has to be considering all of these things and then ending off talking about uh, AI um, you know what are some of the use cases uh, where people are making use of it right now talked about making you know analyzing geological data and the like um you know maybe we'll get um you, uh, someone from one of the mines to talk to us about um specific use cases um you know on the mining uh, point of view but certainly a sector that has not been shy to make use of the latest and greatest when it comes to tech so that's been it we were in conversation with the chris green um he is a managing partner over at hogan levels um chris thank you so much for being with us today but anyway, thank you for having me it's been a great conversation
And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from my Myself and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.